Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Sparks, host of the new podcast, The One Recipe, from the team behind The Splendid Table. This pod is all about that one recipe that you lean on. The one you share with friends, the one you make when you need a little love, and the one you know will work every single time. Every week, I talk with chefs and gifted cooks from all over the world about their one and the story behind it. We're here to help you build your kitchen library one dish at a time. Follow The One Recipe wherever you get your podcasts. The world is a dumpster fire. I'm Amy. And I'm Grace. We're comedy writers in Los Angeles. And we want to help. As a reflex to the fucking madness on the news, we're keeping it positive, uplifting, but opinionated. We talk about cultural moments we love. Talk to people we adore. Crushes we have. And self-care we stand. During these trying times, we all need a show that focuses on joy. This is The Antidote. Hey, everybody. I love that. Wow. Wow. Okay. Given Mr. Rogers. I miss singing a lot. Uh, So sometimes Mm. in unexpected points, I just break into song. Girl, same. Like in meetings, I'll be like, and then we're going to get the notes. (laughs) Why? Why? Oh, it's because there's something that my soul wants that I don't do anymore. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I'm actually thinking uh, because I want to learn how to sing plastic on the sofa. So I'm thinking that uh, while I'm in New York uh, doing production stuff, that um, I might actually get a voice teacher. Wait, you should do that. You should do that. I have a friend who did this recently. Uh, It was a while back, but he he used to sing in an acapella group in college. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I really miss it. And so he ended up getting a vocal coach. And then that vocal coach introduced him to some of the other singers that he was coaching and then they formed an acapella group oh. and they put on a show. Oh my God. It was like right before the pandemic, they put on a show and I was like, what? You're like a 35 year old man in an acapella group. What's happening? No, I love it. It's like just something you do for fun. Like my, my dream is to be like, do a little cabaret act where I like wear a sparkly dress and Girl, like have it. my titties like all hiked up to my chin and be like, let me get right to the point. <laughs> <laughs> Big spender. <laughs> it has to be when you're old enough not to care. It's like your 75th birthday. You're just no, like I everybody. Do it now, Amy. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to imply it would take like over 20 years for you to get I good. Know, I know. <laughs> That's I not the still can kind of sing. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm good now. I can do it now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. She's like, after you've taken 35 years of nonsense. It was more that I thought, like, what's the age that you won't have the fear or, like, the nervousness of being like, I'm making my friends. Honestly, I think I'm getting there now. Love that. Love that. Because I'd be like, you know what, bitches? You know what? Hype me up. Come gas me up at this this club where three people, only my friends showed up to watch me sing. Because, yeah, those are the things, you know, when you were little, remember like high school and stuff, you just joined clubs because you wanted to do it. Or you just joined the dance team or the theater or the band or whatever, just because you wanted to do it. Like, why can't we do that as grownups, too? Um, By the way, just to tease our guests coming up, um, stay tuned. ER Fightmaster is going to be on. You may know them from Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy and and my heart. Uh, They are uh, one of the writers in the room that I'm in right now. And so um, we can't wait for you guys to hear that conversation. They deep. They deep. We actually tackle the idea of like doing something just because you feel like it. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a great combo. Yeah. Awesome combo. Well, Amy, we uh, wouldn't need the antidote if we didn't have something to get an antidote from. Starting now up top with our bummer news of the week. So um, fall is right around the corner. Yes. And I read that everyone's favorite overpriced coffee shop is recalling some drinks. Apparently Starbucks is recalling hundreds of Starbucks espresso bottles that were sold in a handful of states due to possible contamination of metal particles. Uh This is a statement from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. They said that 221 cases that's 221 cases. I don't even know how many are in the case. And probably some that that weren't reported, of course. Of course, yeah. So flavors from Starbucks Vanilla Espresso Triple Shot, 15 ounces that were sold in Arkansas, Arizona, Florida, Illinois, Indiana, Oklahoma, and Texas. Oh, my God. All the states that need help. Um, they were all affected. <laughs> and my thing, this is a bummer to me because I'm like, because of the pandemic, like when everything shut down, when it, the pandemic started, I was like, oh, God, I got to learn how to make coffee. And yeah. I did. 
And yeah, exactly. I like it. It's part of my like morning ritual is making myself coffee. So. Yeah. And I used to get matchas yeah. or chais from uh, Starbucks because mm-hmm. I'm not a coffee drinker. I only drink tea. And mm-hmm. yeah, like, uh, you know, some I've gotten some tea gifts from friends, including mm-hmm. you. You got me like a little yeah. turmeric ginger like mix uh, for my birthday one year. And so like now uh, you told us uh, recently about that little Goldy blender thing oh, yeah, that you the, make the matcha mini with. Hand blender. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I got one of those and I have my own matcha now. So I can customize it exactly how I want. So yeah. Oh, a great have... Starbucks Edwards because she got those drinks on lock. Yes, I'm a barista, <laughs> bitches. So uh so yeah, I have stopped. Um, so I just use my own stuff, but you know, who knows? It's probably covered in chemicals too. You know, I know. our dishes Everything and stuff. Is covered in uh, you know, they they come in pretty colors, so they're probably full of chemicals as well. But uh it feels a, a little point. safer, so that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not the only bit of bummer news this week. Uh-huh. So apparently there's a judge that refused to dismiss a lawsuit um, against a DMV patron for trying to have the vanity plate F cancer. Now, let me tell you a little bit about it. In December 2020, a woman named Carrie Lynn Overington applied for a vanity license plate reading the letter F cancer, all one word, and received it two months later. In June 2021, she received a letter from the manager of the Division of Motor Vehicles office in Dover telling her that the plate, quote, does not represent the division and the state in a positive manner, end quote. So this woman was bussing for like... (laughs) The better part of a year before they told her your plate all wrong. Um, The DMV manager, Levi Fisher, wrote that any plate considered offensive will be denied or recalled if issued in error. What's offensive about F cancer? That is my question. And this is why I'm bummed out. It feels like a positive message to me. I'm like, what the fuck? Do y'all love cancer? Y'all weird. I'm really confused about who's seeing her plate and being like, I'm offended. Did she have cancer? I mean, I think that's why she got the plate. And so she said, my vanity plate receives positive feedback everywhere I go. And I've had more than a few deep conversations with complete strangers about my cancer and how cancer has touched their lives because of it. She also wrote, the community of cancer warriors, cancer survivors, and those who love them is far reaching and very supportive, end quote. So this woman is like connecting to people who understand the trauma she's been through, who are survivors like her. And all through her license plate, her vanity plate, and like, for some reason, it's a problem because of the F, I guess. Also, like, I'm so sorry to tell you, American people and people around the world, frankly, your kids have seen all kinds of things. The internet is open, okay? Your kids have seen all types of things. There's like literally no protections, even on the porn sites. So like... Something that says F cancer, if you tell me about it's about the kids, it's not about that. It's about policing women's language once again. And I also think, you know, I've had cancer in our family. Most of our uh, most of our listeners probably know someone who's been touched by cancer in some way, shape or form. I've had loved ones die too young from cancer and it's such a brutal disease. And if she survived that and she yeah. wants to uh, memorialize the fact that she survived that, yeah. then let her have her vanity plate. That's absolutely wild. And obviously she's been getting good feedback. She hasn't been getting bad feedback about it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like I would just repitch to be like, OK, so you don't like F cancer. How about fuck cancer. You know what I'm saying? How about yeah. I put how about I write it all the way out so everybody knows exactly what I said. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like it's it's really disheartening that the government <laughs> like uh when there's so many other things to worry about like than that, you know? Uh yeah. I don't know. It, it feels it feels dumb and you know what? I'm proud of you <laughs> for coming up with that idea, girl, and I'm so sorry that your state is such a freaking square, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree. Poor thing. Um, how do you feel after hearing all this bummer news, Grace? Mm, not the best. I mean, <laughs> metal in our coffee and Gross. someone can't say F cancer, which 
They should yeah, be able to say. And going to give us cancer. So like, come on. Yeah, no. I know. How do we live? How do we live? <laughs> like, I'm just trying to live. I'm just trying to see 50. <laughs> oh, Lord. No, I hope you see longer than 50, girl. Please stick okay, around just a little longer. I'm trying to see 75. <laughs> I'm just trying to see 99. Yeah, okay. 99. <laughs> we, we got to a place where it's acceptable. <laughs> uh, and then we're in the nursing home, we'll hold our hands and die at the same time. Cool. Yes. Uh, oh, please, my dream. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get into the antidote. So this is the segment where we tell you about the culture we consumed and things we did this week that made us feel better about the bummer news. What was your antidote this week, Grace? So um, as I've talked about on the podcast already, I have to go to New York uh, for work. Uh, I'm supervising set for a beautiful show that I'm working on. Um, Mm. So... You know, it's a little tough to leave your house for uh, three months. Like you're used to your routines and your friends and your, your, you know, your coffee shop, your um, grocery store and stuff like that. So what I've been finding a lot of fun in is pre-exploring the neighborhood where my Airbnb will be. Uh, so like, you know, just going on Yelp would be like, what are the cool spots around that the cool cats in the neighborhood are doing? You know, <laughs> where's my grocery store? Ooh, that's cool. Like I made an appointment to get my nails done the day before oh production stops. So I'm just like, ooh, uh, this, this is going to be like, um, maybe my ma- nail spot, you know, while I'm there for, yeah. you know, almost three months. Uh, but then, you know, I also, as I talked about on the podcast, love a fucking sign. I stand a sauna. There's something about like getting in that hot box and sweating it out uh, <laughs> that relaxes me so much. So I found a place to get my sauna. I found a place nice. to get my brows done um, and just been like looking. Oh, yeah. Like, is there a place with smoothies in the neighborhood every ever so often? Now and then your bitch loves a smoothie. But, you know, cleaning that blender is very, very annoying. And then I don't know if my Airbnb yeah. will even have a blender. So I'm just like, oh, where could I get smoothies and green juices and, you mm-hmm. know, the things in my neighborhood. So it's um, actually taking a little bit of the stress away of like all this packing and all these uh, to-do yeah. lists before the trip. Because I'm like, oh, once I'm there and all my bags have arrived and all the things I shipped out have arrived, then I get to explore these new uh, these new things in this new neighborhood. It's a part of New York that I never lived in. I've lived in several different boroughs, but uh, mm-hmm. this is a borough that I have never, I ha- I lived in for a few months, but uh, didn't live in um, most of the time I was there. So it, it just feels like even though I lived in New York for 15 years, I get to explore a new neighborhood. Yeah. And the Ooh, beautiful like thing that. about New York is that, uh, each neighborhood has such a different personality. So I'm so looking mm-hmm. forward to to learning the personality of where I'll be staying for almost three months. Oh, I love that. It, I, I love just the focus on it takes some of the stress off. Like, because there is something like, and then I'm going to leap off this hillside into work. And uh, I guess I won't have a life because production <laughs> is very all-consuming. Yeah. But doing this research is kind of like, no, my life is going to be around me. Like I can cultivate that. Um, energy of home. I I really like that. And I actually am going to uh, borrow that the next time I have to travel for work. I love it. Yeah. And then I'm going to like, you know, even like looking, I'm starting to look into the Broadway shows I want to go to and stuff like that. You know, it's just cute. Uh, But anyway, uh, that was my antidote exploring the the neighborhood. Uh, What is your antidote this week, Amy? Um, well, mine is almost the opposite of yours. Yours is looking into things to do and mine is canceling plans. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it. Love it. Literally, this was, this was a really like busy work week. I feel like I say that every week. Um, it just feels like it, it won't let up. I don't know something about the hybrid Zoom back in person hybrid life yeah. it has been really, really stressful for me and like mm. really hard to find balance because you're like rushing home to get on a Zoom and then yeah. speeding through traffic that you forgot existed to get to a lunch and all this stuff. And I'm just like, I'm really struggling with find ba- finding balance. Um, mm. And in the summer, an answer that I had, and I think I even shared it on the podcast, was doing Pilates. Mm-hmm. I really got into like Friday mornings. I do Pilates. I like to have a nice stretch before I sit all day. And, mm-hmm. um, 
And this this past week, actually, my antidote was canceling Pilates. And it was really hard because Pilates is a treat for me. I really like it. But this week was weaking. I had to prepare for a trip. And I just was like, I need my morning. Because for me, I wake up really early in the morning mm-hmm. on the days that I work out because I like to do a little writing before. Mm-hmm. And then I go to the gym and then my workday starts. Yes. And I was like, oh, I don't want to wake up at 6 a.m. Like on a Friday. I can't do it. <laughs> I just like was like, I've hit a wall. I can't do it. So um, I decided to cancel the Pilates and sleep in just a little bit and just Aww. wake up and get to writing. And it was really nice. And then to make up for canceling it, um, this morning, right before our recording, I did like a 15 minute stretch. Like Great. I listened to um, Plastic Off the Silva and ah. Virgo's Groove um, back to back, which is about 10 minutes long and um, did a full like I, I do like dance stretches like that I used to do from when I when I used to dance. And so mm-hmm. I did a full stretch routine and I was like, okay, it's not the same as doing Pilates. It wasn't like hard uh, or challenging, but I still moved my body and that made me feel good. So every now and then yeah. um, it's an antidote to um, add things to your plate. And every now and then it's an antidote to take things off. No, I love that. I think that it's great like to give yourself permission because self-care is about what you need right now. It's not about yeah. like, I have to self-care. Uh, I have to do Pilates. Uh, or I'm not self-care. Like, it shouldn't be like another thing on your list. If you need a break, yeah. take a break, yeah. y'all. Like, yeah, it's cool to like have a schedule to, uh, you know, do certain things on certain days of the week. But if there's a, a day that you would rather just sleep in, that's what your body is telling you that you need. So you should listen to it. Yeah, thank you. Um, And speaking of breaks, we're about to take one. We'll be back right after the break. Welcome back to The Antidote. We have a special guest today. Who is it, Grace? Our extraordinary guest is an actor, writer, improviser, and comedian who has appeared on shows such as Grey's Anatomy and Shrill. They are currently a writer with me on Survival of the Thickest on Netflix, starring Michelle Buteau. And they're an amazing musician who sings, plays guitar, and piano. Damn. In their band, Twin. So go stream their shit so you'll be ready for Twin's new single coming out in October. They are very passionate about women's sports, in particular the WNBA. So get ready for their podcast, Jocular, coming soon. Please welcome the indomitable and glorious ER Fightmaster. Hello. (laughs) What an intro. I'm blushing. Yeah. Well, you know, I live to make you blush. Thank you, Grace. Me and ER flirt a lot on our <laughs> in the writing. Wait a second, I'm gonna get jealous. I love it. <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> Grace talks about you, Amy, like you're a partner. And so you have to understand <laughs> since you're a functioning partnership, Grace is exploring flirtation outside of your home. I have yeah, to be okay yeah, with yeah. that. You know what I mean? I, I Long term okay partnerships, you have to add spice. <laughs> well, ER is very impressive, aren't they? Thank you. But we aren't here to talk about your many, many, many accomplishments. Sorry, we're here to get deep. So let's check in first. How are you feeling today? Like for real, not small talk. Is there anything bringing you joy or anything weighing on you today? I, my real emotion today is that I've been running around. Mm. I I spent the the weekend outside of my home at um, the person I'm seeing's place. And so mm. I was like, I didn't have it, I, any of my stuff. And then I immediately got back today and it's a Monday. And so I'm just like back in work mode and I'm shooting soon. I'm in that brain mode of being like, what am I forgetting? What am I forgetting? So what you're saying is that you're sort of in a, a busy moment. Are you excited by the busy or does it feel a little overwhelming? Uh, the person that I am seeing right now, we are both very busy people. And so mm-hmm. one of the things that I really tried to get um, like really intentional about in in dating this person is when I have their time, I really try to be fully with them. And so that just means in the time that I don't have with them, I actually have to be really diligently getting stuff done. And mm-hmm. I like that. It's a nice place for my brain to to be because there is this this like going, 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 going yeah. mentality. And I feel like earlier this year, I really hit this like wall of I can't mm-hmm. keep 
going like this. I can't have two or three things to attend things that I'm accomplishing every day. Some days I need to fully turn off. And so I'm trying to do that like inside of this relationship. And so today is just one of those days where I don't feel stressed. I just feel like, okay, we made the trade. We made a trade. We had Mm -hmm. a Sunday where we didn't answer a single email. We didn't talk to a single person on earth except for Mm -hmm. her. And now we're back in business. Yeah. I think that's a really healthy attitude to have days where it's all about her Mm -hmm. and you guys can have your couple moments, but then realize that, okay, that means that on the days that we aren't together, that means you're going to have to get more done than you probably would normally do. I think this is a better switch for me. I think it's really nice to value both times because also when I'm with her, like the end of a long weekend that I'm with her, I start to get that itch to be creative and productive again. And so Mm -hmm. the flip back and forth is a nice balance. Yeah. Well, those those sound like good vibes to me. I feel like we should keep those yeah. good vibes going. Um, this show is called The Antidote because life is hard and we all need different antidotes to deal with the bullshit. So I'm curious, ER, what's your antidote? In other words, what's something non-work related that's bringing you joy this week or this month? Something that has been, I don't know if it's been even it, in some ways it's been bringing me joy, but really it's just been like this thoughtful process that I'm trying to go through. Um, mm-hmm. I... I think I'm at this point in my life. I just turned 30 this year. And, you know, there is something about like those decade birthdays where you're like, let's reevaluate. And one of the things that I really came to terms with this year was I, I think I've been in a position quite constantly from like a young age of enjoying putting other people first. Mm -hmm. Um, whether that's for my own personal pleasure or Mm -hmm. for conflict management or, uh, you know, just like, you know, surviving in a mentally ill household, like all of it was just like Mm -hmm. other people first. What do you need? What will make this situation easier for all of us? And I started to realize recently that I like I didn't I didn't know what I wanted um, and what things were what things am I doing that are making me happy versus what things am I doing that are, you know, I think are giving me worth yeah. to other people, mm-hmm. what yeah. things are outward facing and what things are bringing me joy down to like the brass tacks of what kind of like print patterns do I like when no one's telling me like yeah. all of these yeah. things. And so I've been kind of like collecting little pieces of like art or fabric or images that I liked mm-hmm. all the way up to going to like cryotherapy to see what it felt like mm-hmm. to get really cold, which was a sensation I hate and see like mm-hmm. if that put my, my brain in a different place, just in this like immense effort to get to know me better. That's what I've yeah. been doing. I mean, that really resonates with me. Like, honestly, like, I mean, Grace and I are both children of immigrants. And when I was a kid, I was just telling someone about this the other day. When I was a kid, I used to act like whoever I was around because I wanted to be like, we're not that Mm. different. I'm just like you. I'm just like you. Accept me, accept me kind of thing. Uh, You know, trauma from growing up in a mostly white suburb of Dallas, Texas. So it wasn't until I like graduated college that I was really like, wait, what are like my own idiosyncrasies? Like, what are the things yeah. that that are fully Amy and not like amalgamations of people I've been around for years? Yeah. Um, it's like an unpacking that I think, I, I, I'd like to believe that a lot of people go through, but I feel like people who have had to present their identity to the world a lot actually go mm-hmm. through it more and probably even yeah. later in life because you're constantly negotiating who you are against how people are accepting you. Um, yeah. So yeah, I that really resonated with me. Kind of like, I was like, oh my God, I feel like I'm still going through that. <laughs> like just figuring out like, oh, what patterns do I like? Yeah. And I feel like so much of your 20s too is like about fitting in and like hanging out with friends and like being the same as your friends and you're all having similar experiences. And as you get older and you start moving into different jobs and different parts and certain people get married and have kids, then you're just like, oh, okay, I got to figure this shit out (laughs) because now I don't have the crutch of all these people around me all the time because (laughs) the only person I can say for sure I'm going to spend the rest of my life with is me. (laughs) So I think that um, I also identify with what Amy said about feeling like, you know, especially growing up, like, again, in a 
mostly white suburb. Mm -hmm. I always felt like, oh, I have to like be the representative of (laughs) Blackness sometimes. So I was just like, what is Blackness? And so I had to like define this in a very narrow way. So I would try to be that, um, but like the best representation of that. And so in that, I think a lot of me got lost. Um, So I had to go through a similar process. Like when I got a grad school um, of like evaluating, yeah, what do I want to what do I like? Like, what kind of art do I want to make? But I think we are lucky in this way, because mm-hmm. I think that this is a conversation that actually not a lot of people have. Like, I think this mm-hmm. is a conversation for the the margins wow. yeah. in, in whatever section you occupy, because... There's, there's, of course, it's like we all, we all understand different ideas of assimilation. Like both of mm-hmm. our, our groups of human beings understand how to assimilate or how we were expected yeah. to or needed to, to survive. The thing about assimilation is you are actually aware constantly of your differences. You are You're aware right. of mm-hmm. self where the people inside of the center, the norm aren't as aware of self because they are, they are like invisible to themselves. Mm. I agree. When we are not invisible to ourselves, we are constantly aware. Well, at least when we were kids, we were like constantly aware that naturally we were doing something wrong. So we were studying ourselves. And now we're adults and we enjoy our our identities and we love ourselves. And so I do think it's this reparenting thing of like, no, 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 no. Nothing about my queerness is wrong. Nothing about your blackness is wrong. It's just time to figure out what am I when I'm not staring at the center? What is my life on the margins without looking in at them? and waiting for them to tell me I'm doing this okay. I love how you frame that as a benefit almost. Like you get the opportunity to look deeper into yourself. And yeah, I do think about the people that I grew up with who assimilated very easily or didn't even understand that what they were was quote unquote the norm. I feel like, yeah, they are much more unexamined. So I think while it is difficult, especially as a child, when all you want to be is the same as everybody else. But I also think it is a gift because that sort of core of examination of who you are is, is, is a beautiful thing. It's, it's what makes you, you, you know? So ER, uh, Do you have a piece of art, a book, a play, show, fine art that had really an impact on your life, like sort of taught you that you want to do what you do? Grace, we were talking about this the other day because we were talking about the color purple. And (laughs) Mm -hmm. I had said I had read that book in high school, but I never saw the film. Um, Kind of bizarre, but through this journey of like trying to get to know myself better, Mm -hmm. I keep coming back to that that moment in the book where uh she's i think seely says it or maybe she says it mm-hmm. but if you see the color purple in a field and you don't notice it like that's how you hurt mm-hmm. god mm-hmm. and i i remember reading that so that book has been coming up a lot for me recently i don't know why it's, it's like mm-hmm. we're like talking about people are bringing it up to me and it, it's i that that book was probably the moment that I realized that like I was gay, mm. like that mm. there was actually language. But there, I think the reason it was so special to me was because they didn't say gay in the book. And th- yeah. that was not actually the conversation. It was just mm. at the same time that I was like in Ohio having this like love, a truly like deep love affair with this um, girl at another school. Uh, and mm-hmm. we didn't know what was happening to us. And we mm-hmm. didn't know even that we were having sex. Then the color mm-hmm. purple gets dropped in my lap. And I'm mm-hmm. reading this like beautiful love story about like longing and, you know, Seely watching her, the woman that she loves, be with this bad man. And, yeah. you know, all this like gentle touch mm-hmm. and all of this, this like kind of male violence and then not having the language for this, you know, queer love. And then even just the the color purple you know theme itself of like pleasing god by finding beauty mm-hmm. it mm. has just been really uh it's just been really re-resonating in my brain mm-hmm. again for some reason that's yeah. beautiful and i feel like being an artist is the act of noticing especially you know yeah. what we do as writers or whatever it is the act of noticing beauty or ugliness or um bringing together 
of things, <laughs> the beauty and the ugliness. Um, that's part of what we do. Also in your work as an actor, like noticing, noticing people and humans. Um, so yes, I can definitely see how that has played into your life. I just did this like um, talk about like the antidote kind of thing. I just did this guided like kind of meditation um, program where this woman, Sally, talks about uh, emotions and how they pass through you and how mm-hmm. we have labeled emotions as positive and negative and we ha- we experience them as such because that's how we've labeled mm-hmm. them. But if you can sit in your body, like through different like breathing techniques, you can actually evoke those emotions devoid of a story. So like, wow. for example, you can evoke the emotion of fear if you sit inside of a room and you ground yourself and you listen really, really intensely for the smallest noise. And the minute that you do that, your senses become awake. And when your senses are awakened, you experience fear. But if you don't Mm -hmm. attach story to it, then it's not trauma. It's just you understanding that fear is passing through. Mm -hmm. And when I was, and then she does it with anger and she does it with sadness and she does it with joy. And you're feeling all of these emotions pass through and you're not attaching them to trauma and you're not attaching them to Mm -hmm. pleasure even. And Mm -hmm. you are just noticing the experience of having the emotion. And Mm -hmm. that to me is everything that we do. Like it's Mm -hmm. all the art we create is not always the healthiest artist that brings their trauma into it, but it's going back through your Rolodex, putting yourself in the space of feeling that emotion. And that's what we write through, or that's what we sing through, or that's what we act through. Mm -hmm. And I just love Mm -hmm. that it's like, we're just getting to this point in our lives where we're like, let's try to notice these things without Mm -hmm. adding any, any like, sadness or uh yeah yeah i wait to them what was that was that like a youtube class was it a book was it a zoom was it a master class like how do i how do i tap into that what's yeah, that about? we we love shit like this yeah, what's so that about? Like, you know what i am gonna send i'm gonna send this cool. to y'all i'll send this to grace it's this uh, you believe it or not this is something my girlfriend made me do oh my goodness that's exciting wait what i did want to ask about the cryotherapy did you actually do it or was it a thing you were i did it what what was that like i've never done it it hurts. Like it hurts. It's like, you know, 100, they're negative 150 fucking degrees and you're in there for three minutes watching the clock. Did you do the whole three? Yes, I did the whole three because oh I'm stubborn. God. And I did it two times because Damn. I wanted to experiment <laughs> with which version of my brain I could handle pain with more. So the first time I kind of made a glowering face. I was kind of like, mm. the second time i smiled for the whole experience because you know people are like if you smile your body releases that ain't true that ain't true (laughs) it didn't work it didn't work i was just cold and smiling (laughs) yeah Yeah, i've done cryotherapy once because like there's this place that i go to do sauna you know i think i've talked about the sauna a lot i um she's obsessed with the the fucking sauna (laughs) and now i've started doing contrast therapy going back and forth between the sauna and like a cold plunge pool like that's my shit right now so they did cryotherapy there so i was just like i'll be getting in this plunge pool i could I can do this cryotherapy. I'm going to be able to stay in air the whole time. Imagine it's worse than stepping outside naked, like in the what? coldest day in Michigan. Um, yeah, it's it's like literally you're you're standing in there and you start shivering almost immediately. Oh, my God. And you're supposed to stay. You like you, the longest you should stay in there is three minutes, but you can do as little as 30 seconds. So I think I was able to stay in there about... I was stubborn too. I didn't make it to three, but I made it to two. But like, I almost died. Did it? Did your lip turn blue? No, but I did feel like I was getting. I've had frostbite before, so it felt uh-huh. like I was getting frostbite. But why, why? Why do people do it? Why? It did alleviate. I have pretty bad back pain, and it did alleviate my back pain. Like, but then I went and worked out, and the back came pain came right back. So it's like, okay, well, I'm not just going to be fucking cold every day in the morning for a nice back for two hours and then work out and have to be cold again. It's not going to happen for me. (laughs) I learned that I don't like it. That's great. (laughs) It's a learning experience. That was me with acupuncture. Guys, I tried acupuncture and I was like, oh, I don't know why I thought it'd be relaxing. I have a full fear of needles. And this lady's... (gasps) 
<laughs> no, I don't bitch. I don't, literally, she stuck that first needle in. And I was like, oh, this is not for me. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, wait. I'm terrified. And like, I started like, Aww. you know, like when you're anticipating something about to like, I was like, yes, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, my whole body is like <laughs> tensing and I'm like getting, getting super tight. No, that's, and that's exactly what you don't want when you're doing acupuncture. You need, I you need relaxed muscles. Where was she putting the needles? Everywhere. Well, so I did, I did acupuncture and cupping at the same time. Cupping is where they do the oh, hot no, cup Amy. on your body and it like steams up. How'd that feel? I will say, okay, here's the thing about cupping. It felt terrible, but just like cryotherapy for you, ER, it completely, almost completely relieved a pain in my shoulder. Like I have an old shoulder injury that just hurt. My shoulder uh-huh. hurts all the time. It's hurting right now. Um, mm-hmm. And the cupping relieved that pain for like two days. It felt like I was in a deep massage for like two days. And then it, the pain came back. And I was like, mm, I'd rather just get a massage. So I was... It's it's almost like we're just going to have to... We're getting older. I think that's it. And everything that we do to fix our bodies is only yeah. temporary. This is, this is bullshit. bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Having a body is fucking bullshit, man. Like you got to take care of so many things. You know what I'm saying? If I did cryo when I was 22, I would have been able to lift a building. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I do cryo as a 30 year old and it makes my back okay for an hour we should have all started <laughs> yes. sooner <laughs> it only gets worse from here it's downhill it's downhill it's literally your body slowly it's down, downhill so. from here or whatever literally the other day I was on the treadmill and you know how you do the things where you oh breathe up you know you do, but you're, you lift your arms as you're yeah. breathing in mm-hmm. and then you know, as you're breathing out, they go back down. I lifted my arms to breathe in, <laughs> fucked up my shoulder for two days. <laughs> you, you hurt I yourself had to go breathing? To the sauna. I had to go to the sauna. I was just like, this is so fucking sad. I, just got, I injured myself. Oh my God. Oh no. I was like, oh no. And Deep you- breath in, pop, pop, pop. <laughs> no. I have a lot of fewer ailments than a lot of my friends. So I sometimes I feel drunk with power because, you know, I don't have anything mm, super chronic. You good. know what I'm saying? And I have friends that have back problems mm-hmm. and injuries and stuff like that. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm aging beautifully. beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> just like drunk with power. And then it was like, God was like, uh, <laughs> no. let me... <laughs> Let me check you right quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right quick. Don't get too confident, bitch. Exactly. <laughs> and she's going to learn today. She's getting older. Do any of y'all do just physical therapy? Because I'm kind of realizing that's the only thing we haven't mentioned. <laughs> I did do the physical therapy, actually, at one point. So here's the thing. My trainer at the gym keeps telling me how much I need PT. And I'm like fighting it. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like a, a mix of massages and, and cryotherapy will save me. Yeah, I'm just actually, no, I hear what you're saying about the PT. So I am just going to stay in the cold. Yeah, exactly. Cute, cute. I understand you're a professional in this field, but I'd like to try sitting in a quiet room and feeling my emotions, okay? Uh, <laughs> he's like, I know you have been trained. That's why you were called a trainer because you are qualified to train other people and you look at bodies all the time but you know what <laughs> whose advice i'm not gonna take yours, yours and sweetie, I, sweetie i think i know what i'm talking about i'm gonna go stand in that fucking cold tub yeah, exactly. <laughs> i'm gonna get needles that i don't want in me placed in me <laughs> i'd rather get stabbed a thousand times that's to literally look like fucking hellraiser uh but i'm not gonna actually go and get a stretch you're right i need pt we all do apparently so, ER, what would you say is your proudest non-career accomplishment? Just like that has happened so far that in your short such life. such a good question. Well, you know what? I will say it is, I do feel, I'll let myself off the hook in this way because it's, it's hard to think about it like that. Um, we are artists. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's not a nine to five. Like, it's the the accomplishments that maybe you would get in a nine to five mm. are you know are you are now you're a supervisor and or now you're a manager or now you are getting a raise or you know now you are the one making the presentations now you run a team all of those are great but those are all like under the umbrella of a company I think we as artists are the company you know we are the business and so every accomplishment that I've made in that career Mm. way has been like adding 
art to this lifelong gallery. And so it's even hard for me because I love making art so much Mm. to separate any of my accomplishments from doing the art or or it's all seems to have informed my career in some way. So like right now, for instance, I'm, I just, I used, uh, we had like, you know, a, a month off grace, we had July off. Um, and so I used that time to travel, but I had a week in July where I realized in this conversation with self that most of the things that I've made, even if I was primarily responsible for them, I have put other people's names on because I like creative teamwork and I've been in team environments Mm -hmm. and I don't have, I have not had the necessarily the, the pride or the ego need to be like, this is mine. Except I did realize that I do. Mm-hmm. I did want something that was mm-hmm. mine. So I used the one week that I was home in July to record a an album of music that was just like songs that have been swirling around that don't oh. sound like my band. And For they you. are just what I wanted. And I would go in with my producer every day and I would say, I would kind of give him keywords of mm-hmm. like, here's the song I've written all of. The, I want the instruments. I want the way that we make it sound to be. This one will be kind of space cowboy-esque. I want this one to sound really um, hollow and cinematic. And getting that done, just being in a room and only, you know, trusting my instincts about the art that I wanted to create, that was a big accomplishment for me. And it and is still a big accomplishment for me because I'm gonna make videos for these songs and I'm working on the release and I'm working on the album art. And I just made this like promise to myself that I would make this particular project entirely mine. I'm gonna own every part of it. I'm gonna pay for every part of it. I'm gonna have my hands in every part of it, from the video to picking the director to the costume to the album art. I'd like to make it, you know, like I want every part of it to be mine and that to me has been a big accomplishment because I had to get over this wall of thinking, well, is that selfish? Is that stupid? Is that a waste of my time? This might be the first thing that I've made with the only outcome needing to be that I am happy with it on the other side. So admit that that's, that's going to be my accomplishment. Yeah. And it's like, it is so interesting because I mean, you loophole us, by being vaguely career, but it's also really about (laughs) art. But it's a very valid loophole because so much of our greatest accomplishments as artists are the art we make for ourselves. And like, and sometimes that art we make for ourselves can make us money. um, And in a perfect world, it does. (laughs) But like, sometimes it's just, I just want to be happy that I did it. I want to be happy that I made it all mine. Like, that's exactly why I did Mm -hmm. my short film like a few years ago. That's exactly why Grace and I started this podcast. We were like, we want something that's ours, that we can figure out the timeline, that we can decide um, how it moves and that we have something that we get to hold, you know, that it doesn't have to be subjected to other people's points of view. and even if it does, it's like, meh. It makes everything you do better. Everything you do is better when you do something after you've done something for yourself. Even even if the thing that you've done for yourself, like there are things that you change about it. Like even giving yourself the, like I made a, a short film uh, a few years ago, right before the pandemic. And th- that was in that way, I'm sure you understand, like making that short film was mm-hmm. this, I didn't really expect anything to happen with it. I just wanted to prove that it to myself that I could make a short film and the the I learned more about the things that I would have changed than I could have ever anticipated like you know looking back at the project me I'm proud that it's done I think it's a good thing I would have changed so much I would have done so much differently and I'm a better artist now because I did that for myself yes I know we're about to wrap up, but I, I wanted to hear about the audio book that you narrated. Um, I was wondering, um, what did you learn about your own voice when you did it? There's something so nice about doing an audiobook. First of all, it is a lot of fucking work. It is unbelievable. It It is, I was in over two weekends, I think. Um, I was in a booth 
with overhead fluorescent lighting for 30 hours. Whoa. And so it's your, and you're reading it. And like, of course you, you can like skim a little bit ahead, but you're not going to read. I mean, I'm sure professionals do it, but I didn't read the whole, I had a fucking job. So I didn't read the whole book ahead of time. So I was like reading and, you know, adding inflection and doing all this shit at the same time. (laughs) And you don't even realize everybody has a speech impediment. That is just something I learned. We all have a speech impediment. We all have a regional accent. We all are saying towards instead of toward it, like the irritation, but (laughs) um, what I really appreciated about it is, you know, they always say that you don't like the sound of your own voice. When you do an audiobook, you don't have the time anymore to to bully yourself you you are trying to get a product Mm. out you are trying to you know actually service this project and uh this was a specifically i loved this project the book is called man of war it's a young adult book about uh, a trans kid growing up in ohio and their journey i mean it really was an incredible like parallel to my own life i was really i felt really like blessed to be reading this book at this time and it it goes you know from i think mm-hmm. like 14 years old all the way up to 30 that were following this person in their gender journey wow. and mm-hmm. so i'm processing all of this and then i'm hearing my voice back and just really rapidly getting over like any insecurity I have about my own voice to get this done and to add meaning to it and to service the book and to do it all honor. And I just felt like I was able to get out of my own way. And so that mm-hmm. audiobook helped me come to listen to my own voice without a filter of self-loathing. And now I would say I like my voice. And after I did that book, I immediately got a, did a partnership with Dipsy and did some audio erotica. Yo, hear that, ladies and gents and people. ER's got some audio erotica for your ass. Yeah, plus <laughs> one on the Dipsy app. Y'all better stream. We call it stream to cream. Ooh! <laughs> Ooh! That's perfect. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Uh, I feel so much better now that we've talked to you, ER. Uh, I'm I'm just so happy that I got to do this. I really have heard just so much about you from Grace. And Grace, I've loved working with you so much. So I'm glad I got to be in this. Oh, same. 100%. <laughs> do you have anything coming up you want to tell us about? Anything you'd like to plug? It can even be something you just love, not something you created. I, I did just I did just get a, um, a subscription to Imperfect Produce and I got to my house today and I felt like the most grown mm. ass, ethical ass, looking ass adult on the planet <laughs> oh so it's just like imp- like it, like the name suggests just like like fruit that was too ugly <laughs> to be sold in the uh that's that's it sometimes like i got clementines from them today and also imperfect produce if you're fucking listening to this send me a discount yeah, code because this is free this is bullshit i'm doing this for free <laughs> i just care about the environment they tell you how yeah. much water you've saved and how much food you save after you're done with your order and then they cut the price of the food by like well no one wanted it because these clementines were too small and so then Whoa. it's just like mm-hmm. it's cheaper it's all more affordable and they're saving stuff that would have been thrown out oh my gosh Maybe we should share oh, a subscription, Grace, because I'm scared that I would get it and I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, that wouldn't matter because they were going to do it anyway. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's true. That's a good point. That's a good ass point. And um, where can people find you on the Internet? They can find me on Instagram and Twitter as Genderless Gap Ad. And on TikTok, I think I am just ER Fightmaster. <laughs> Thank you so Amazing. much, ER. This has been awesome. <laughs> Thank you all. Thank you so much for being here, friends. I appreciate you. To close us out, we're doing our creative tap-in, which is our segment about creativity. Amy, are you ready for this week's quote? Yes, ma'am. Okay. If you're creating anything at all, it's really dangerous to care about what people think. And that is by Kristen Wiig. One more time. If you're creating anything at all, it's really dangerous to care about what people think. That is Kristen Wiig. Uh, that's a perfect quote given our conversation with ER, especially like ER speaking about how they're creating mm-hmm. music just for them and that the only end result that they're concerned with is, am I happy that I got to the other side? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something like, I know we've talked about it a lot. Like, how do you get out of the 
What will make yeah. them buy this? How will they sell? How can I sell it? So like what, what makes it marketable? And climbing back into why do I like it? Why does it make my soul tick? You know, yeah. um, it's really hard, especially it's hard at every level. I was going to say, especially as you move up. But actually, I, I remember like trying to break into the industry and trying to write like a staffing sample and being like, oh, what's yeah. the thing that's going to make it work? What's the thing that's going to get me staffed? And mm. I remember someone saying, you can't control that side of it. All you can control is what you do. So you might as well do what you enjoy. And I, I still struggle with that. Um, but mm-hmm. I agree with the quote, Ms. Wig. I agree that it's it's really... I think dangerous is a very um, delicious word in this quote, because to say it's dangerous to care what other people think is that really it's like anything that takes you off your true north of like knowing your creative voice, it compromises who you are and that's dangerous. So I agree with the quote and I want to listen to it more. (laughs) What does it make you think, Grace? Yeah, it made me think of something very similar. I feel like it is quote unquote, dangerous. Because when we start out as artists, um, you are doing a lot of stuff that's derivative of other people's work. Right. Because you kind of have to in order to learn what it is. But sometimes it's hard to stop. Mm. Because then it becomes like, oh, okay, well, I, I need to discover my own voice. But I was like, but what if my voice is something that people don't like? <laughs> like, what if, what if I'm it? doing something new? Because, you know, every time somebody as an artist does something new, someone breaks a mold, someone does something yeah. unique and different. Like, you know, even things you can look at something like Atlanta or you could look at something like even Insecure, like mm-hmm. the did shit like visually and like music wise and all like that had never been done before on TV the confidence that that takes is a lot because everybody wants something recognizable. They want something that they can put in a box. And sometimes when you're doing something completely new and something completely different, it's very, very frightening um, because people are telling you like, oh, that's not something we've seen before. So you need to put it back to something that you've seen before. And so that's why I think that she says it's dangerous because it's you will lose your entire creative voice if you can continuously allow that to happen to you over and over again um and then next thing you know you'll be just like an artist without a country it's sort of like I'm an artist that can imitate very well what other people can do but I do not have the ability to recognize where I am in that so um yeah Miss Wig you spin on this because like I think I think that's very true can be dangerous if you're objective as an artist is to create something original. Right. Not everybody's objective is to be that. Okay, so thank you for listening to The Antidote. We hope that this injected a little bit of joy into your week. I know it did mine. How about you, Amy? I feel good, girl. We should do this again sometime. Oh, we'll be here next week. And in the meantime, if you'd like to follow us on social, follow me, Grace, at Gracie Act. That's G-R-A-C-Y-A-C-T. And follow me, Amy, at Amy Aniobi. That's A-M-Y-A-N-I-O-B-I. And follow the show at The Antidote Pod. That's the with two E's. If you like feeling good about yourself, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Goodbye. And go discover some of your favorite things. The Antidote is hosted by us, Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. The show's production team includes senior producer Sierra Spragley-Ricks and Marcel Malakibu. Our executive producer is Erica Kraus and our editor is Erica Janik. Sound mixing by Derek Ramirez. Digital production by Miju Sayuni. Talent booking by Marion Ways. Our theme music was composed and produced by TT the Artist and Cosmo the Truth. APM Studio Executives in Charge are Chandra Kavati, Alex Schaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Concept created by Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. Send us your antidotes at antidoteshow.org. And remember to follow us on social media at The Antidote Pod. That's the with two E's. The Antidote is a production of American Public Media. Yeah, it is.